Welcome back to another episode of Bitfinex Talks. I'm your host, Ricardo Martinez. Today, I'm here with Matthew Liu, who's the co-founder of Origin Protocol. Matthew, how are you today? Doing excellent, Ricardo. Uh, thanks for having me on the show and really excited to share what we're working on at Origin with uh, your community. Awesome. I'm super happy to have you on the show. And I want to let everyone know that you're one of the brave co-founders because with a lot of these altcoin interviews that I do, they want them very controlled. People usually want to see the questions ahead of time. And you did not ask for that. So um, I want to commend you for that. Um, Matthew, my first question is for the people that aren't familiar with Origin Protocol, what's what's the problem that Origin is solving and, and what is the project overall? Yeah, sounds good. So. Um... Maybe I'll uh, give a little bit of background information. So Origin Protocol, we started in 2017. Um, so we've been in the uh, blockchain space for quite a while and been through a couple um, um, different iterations of the market cycle. Um, and so today, um, Origin is composed of actually two separate business units. Um, the first of which is Origin Story. And Origin Story is uh, ha has a uh, value accrual and governance token, OGN. Uh, which is the main um, um, topic of conversation today since uh, OGN is being listed on Bitfinex. Um, so that's the origin story product in OGN. And then we actually have a separate business unit, um, the OUSD uh, business unit. Um, and OUSD is uh, origin dollar. I'll just touch upon it really quickly since we'll probably focus on story and OGN thereafter. But uh, origin dollar is a yield bearing stable coin. Uh, we think of it as DeFi. Um, made simple. And so the idea with Origin Dollar is you just hold uh, OUSD in your wallet and it automatically and passively accrues yield from uh, blue chip DeFi um, yield sources. And so just by holding it, Ricardo, let's say I send you a million units of OUSD at the end of the year, you might have 1.1 million units of OUSD. Um, it's a rebasing token that's uh, pegged to the US dollar. Um, and then associated with the uh, origin dollar product um, is its own value accrual and governance token, OGV. Um, so that's kind of the second side of the business. Um, but um, given that we're talking about the OGN listing on Bitfinex, I'm sure you have some questions about um, origin story, uh, which is our NFT uh, platform. So um, our thesis there is um, NFTs are in their very, very early stages. Um, it's going to be a, a market where um, we want to create the NFT infrastructure and tooling to allow many different projects, creators, influencers, brands um, to launch their NFT ecosystems. Um, and so one of the ways I like to describe this is like if you think of like OpenSea, right, um, that's kind of like the eBay or Amazon model, right, where um, NFTs are kind of all treated as equal class citizens, regardless of the project or the use case or the vertical. And we imagine a world where, yes, that continues to be you know, a very dominant form of NFT usage and trading, um, but there should also be the, the Shopify uh, or Squarespace or WooCommerce model, um, where there are these more bespoke uh, storefronts or uh, use cases tackling specific verticals, um, specific projects. Uh, we think that there will be all different types of NFT ecosystems and marketplaces in gaming, real world assets, um, um, digital goods, of course, uh, but um, the use cases are just starting to proliferate. And so we want to position ourselves as a uh, infrastructure and technology provider to allow all different types of uh, NFT projects and um, companies um, to use the technology to build their unique um, um, offerings over time. That's a great overview. Um, I actually do want to get into OUSD and stuff a little bit later in the interview. Recently, I saw that Origin story was used to sell real estate 
in the real world represented by an nft token which i found that extremely interesting yeah. um do you see a future for like more real estate transactions adopting these type of uh nft sales and then how is this enforced like if you sell me a house and then you don't want to hand over the deed like how how, how does that play out yeah um i i love this question and it plays really well into i think my earlier point about how um specialized use cases um are going to require um specialized feature sets right and so for this real estate transaction you're talking about we partnered with roofstock um and their web3 subsidiary roofs uh, roofstock on chain um for listeners that don't know roofstock is a unicorn um real estate startup um they specialize in like single family home sales um, and so their use cases for selling a um, multiple properties now on, the, on our platform um, as NFTs is going to be very, very different than, let's say, a PFP or Avatar NFT project, which is also going to be very different than a you know, NFT artist that's um, selling digital art, right? Um, and so in this case, we set up a marketplace on our technology uh, for Roofstock on-chain. Um, and there are lots of commonalities with what you would see with like a, um, other marketplaces, but there were a couple notable differences too. And so the way this worked is the NFTs represent um, ownership of LLCs. And so for the LLC operating agreements, it literally has a line that says um, ownership of you know, token ID X uh, for smart contract address Y um, is the um, um, managing member and, and, and partner of the LLC, right? Then in turn, the LLC is used to um, purchase and wrap real estate. And so therefore, like having ownership of the NFT means you actually have ownership of uh, the property. Now, real estate is a regulated market, right? There are different federal and state laws. And so there were some um, additional features that we put into place um, to allow for this, right? And so um, essentially what uh, was created was almost like a, an allow list to, to use the marketplace, right? Um, so this is something that OpenSea would never do, right? Because they have to treat all NFTs the same uh, once again. But in this case, Roofstock wanted to sell only their, um, or, or allow buyers and sellers to exchange only their NFTs on their bespoke marketplace. And so um, these buyers and sellers did have to go through a lightweight offline process um, to be verified for usage on the platform. And then our technology allowed for the allow list of these users in their wallets. Um, and that's how we're allowing um, these users to um, uh, participate in real estate sales on chain via NFTs. Right. And so um, while most of Web3 is uh, the ethos is around being totally permissionless and not doing AML and KYC, um, in the offline world, we do see that AML KYC is oftentimes a very big part of it, right? And as we mm -hmm. see more real world assets, whether that's like real estate or commodities um, or uh, potentially even like, you know, securities like bonds or stocks um, come on chain, there's a pretty good um, thesis that a lot of these assets will be wrapped as NFTs um, on chain so that they can be traded, so that there can be higher liquidity, potentially these NFTs can be fractionalized. Uh, but again, because they're real world assets or regulated assets in the case of equities or bonds, um, some of the future sets are going to be different, right? Um, AML KYC is just one that I mentioned, but there's also just like different ways of like, um, I guess like, uh, doing research on these assets, of trading these assets, of um, um, supplying the right metadata. Um, other NFTs in the future uh, may have like redemption rights. Like if you have 
um, let's say we're talking about like physical sneakers or handbags or um, Rolexes, right? Um, those can also be represented as NFTs in marketplaces and ecosystems that our technology powers, uh, but they're going to have uh, unique use cases. So you might um, burn your NFT, right, when you go and redeem your sneaker or your Hermes handbag, right? And so those are features that we can build for um, some of these partners that we're working with um, that, again, a vanilla marketplace, um, an aggregated marketplace like a OpenSea or Blur, um, they probably wouldn't be investing in those feature sets. Um, and that's where we think that um, the, the Shopify model of approaching NFTs is a very real and uh, hopefully a very um, um, empowering one that opens um, opportunities for a lot of businesses, brands, um, individual artists, et cetera. Um, but they are going to require some of that like uh, customization and um, different tooling. It seems like Origin has kind of gone through a few significant changes over the last year. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, uh, you know, we started five years ago and our original um, thesis was really around, um, can we build a marketplace protocol that enables anyone to buy and sell anything on chain um, and essentially enable like decentralized commerce, right? Um, so I think there's still that um, higher arcing like vision of like, how do we do that? Um, when we first got started, um, NFTs weren't a big thing yet, right? And so we actually tried to build okay. um, kind of like an end-all, be-all aggregator marketplace that allowed anyone to uh, represent uh, online or offline services and goods um, on-chain. And it didn't work out really well. It was like a product that was too broad, served too many use cases, plus Web3 adoption is very, very low at that point. Uh, now with Origin Story, uh, we're able to kind of like revisit that thesis, but think about like the exchange of these goods and services and assets. Um, when they're wrapped as NFTs, um, there's like a common way for uh, buyers and sellers to engage, there's interoperability, um, wallet support NFTs. And so that enabling technology and adoption, um, I, I think has been crucial in some of the um, large and small product pivots we've made uh, along the way. Okay, cool. Thanks for explaining that. Um, since you brought yeah. up NFTs, uh, you mentioned kind of like the niche uh, aspect that Origin is focusing on in the NFT, the overall like greater NFT market. Um, you also mentioned that Origin has kind of like extended the capabilities uh, of NFTs. Can you kind of break that down for us and, and let us know like what kind of unique improvements that Origin protocol has enabled that's different than the standard vanilla NFT experience? Um, yeah, sounds good. So um, um, maybe like one slight tangent here, but the way I see NFTs is like they're this fundamental new primitive, right? Um, I, I liken it to how like HTML was hugely transformative in the first wave of the internet. And at first, like HTML web pages were ugly and like it was like inline CSS and people didn't understand why you needed an HTML web page, right? And it's like, well, I can call my friends, right? I can listen to the radio, I can watch the TV, I can read the newspaper, I can go to the store and buy stuff. Um, and then a couple of years later, it's all of a sudden like, oh wait, there's this new sub industry powered by HTML web pages called blogging. And there's another one social networking and there's e-commerce and there's all these different um, things that blossom out of the ability to put content um, online as an HTML web page, right? And so NFTs to me are kind of like in that early stage right now, right? And so there's some standards, right? Like the ERC 721 standard or 1155 standard or um, alternate chains have their own different standards. And I think to me, those standards represent kind of like the same thing as HTML did 
you know, 20 years ago, right? Um, and so the, the standards are important because it allows for interoperability, it allows for wallets to display NFTs, allows for exchanges to allow the buy and sell of NFTs. Um, but when you look at the NFT as this um, kind of fundamental primitive, it's really just a, a blob of code that references um, other, other things, right? And it can reference uh, an image, right? If it's digital art, right? Which is kind of what kicked off the NFT craze uh, last, uh, or in 2021. It can, in the uh, case of Rootstock, represents ownership of an LLC, right? So there's an actual legal agreement um, that's referenced uh, in the NFT. Um, uh, um, in gaming, all right, it, it, the NFT, um, you know, can represent a digital store or avatar or whatever it might be, right? And so I think um, what we're trying to do is like help build out all these like other use cases, um, or not all of them, but like do our work to enable some of these different use cases, right? And so um, the Rootstock thing is one thing that we've done that's quite innovative, um, selling real estate as an NFT. Um, we've also done stuff where we've worked with celebrities and influencers where the NFTs become like um, access passes or almost like raffle tickets. Um, so Paris Hilton is an investor and advisor in Origin. She did a um, NFT drop with us last year, and we did one of like the more like mainstream style drops, right? We allowed people to purchase NFTs with credit cards. Um, there were Polygon NFTs that were selling for $11, which is like, you know, um, quite, quite a discount to a lot of the NFTs that were selling at that time. Um, and, and these were essentially um, almost tickets to her ecosystem, right? So certain NFT holders um, uh, were entered into drawings and, you know, people literally were able to get on Zoom with her, right? Or got follows on Twitter with her, or um, I think even, uh, yeah, there were 11 people that were invited to her home in Beverly Hills, right? And so this is like kind of a use case that is um, being explored by us that's different than the uh, you know, PFP, Board Ape uh, use case, right? Now, of course, we have a bunch of partners that are in that space, Pudgy Penguins, uh, one of the blue chip uh, uh, PFP NFT projects uh, is one of our partners and we're uh, building some bespoke tools for them. Um, so if you look at the uh, marketplace we've launched for Pudgy Penguins, um, um, there are a couple of like differences between what we're doing and let's say like OpenSea is doing, right? So uh, the Pudgy Penguins marketplace is hosted on their own um, site. So it's marketplace.pudgypenguins.com. Um, the only NFTs listed are the official NFTs um, from their collections. Um, the branding is all um, Pudgy custom, right? Um, so everything has that, uh, you know, unique to the brand feel. Um, and then we're working on um, a host of like uh, additional like social engagement features um, um, around these NFTs, right? So uh, you'll see an extensive like uh, data analytics dashboard uh, just for the Pudgy Penguins collections uh, on the same um, micro app, if you will, right? And um, we're working with them on other ways uh, to um, um, discuss, you know, how is their IP potentially going to be used? And as they do merchandise, like how does that display that experience, right? And so I just use that as like one example of like going deeper um, with these NFT partners um, to help them bring their use cases to their collectors and community and traders. Um, and, and I think these are some of the innovations that we're going to um, continue to see and are going to be important if NFTs are going to break into more mainstream use cases. Um, there's another partner we're working with. Uh, I mentioned the use case of doing like NFTs um, that are burned and redeemed, right, um, for mm -hmm. tickets. And so that's something that we've built um, into our technology platform so that they can just turn that on um, for their uh, marketplace and their ecosystem. But that's not going to be, you know, what's on the Pudgy marketplace. And that's not going to be what's on the Rooftop marketplace, right? And so, again, uh, one of the things that we're trying to do differently here is um, using that same base construct of NFTs that adhere to these 
standards that um, can proliferate in Web3 wallets and exchanges and things like that. How do we go deeper for specific use cases for specific partners um, in a scalable way, right? We're definitely not an agency, right? Where we're trying to build a technology platform that enables people to um, turn these uh, use cases on for themselves. Um, but how do we uh, enable all these different, um, I guess like uh, real world or practical use cases uh, beyond just uh, buying and selling um, for like investment purposes? I'm glad you mentioned the celebrity thing because I was going to ask you about that. Um, you brought yeah. up that you partnered with celebrities. Um, you brought up Roofstock, which is a unicorn company. But one of the real interesting things about Origin Protocol is it allows anyone to kind of launch their own marketplace and they don't need to know how to code or anything like that. Have there been any community driven marketplaces that have seen overwhelming success? Um, I think we have seen, um, like, I guess, like a fair amount of success that I kind of like the um, the head, right? Like the you know famous celebrities or brands and things like that, right? Like we helped do um, uh, Blouse, you know, 11.7 million music NFT launch um, that kind of helped kick off uh, NFT Spring in 2021. Um, we've also done some um, kind of like surprising things, like we helped a uh, whiskey uh, cast company um, uh, break oh, a record for that. selling the yeah for selling um like i think it was like 2.3 million dollars as a whiskey cask and so that's kind of tying in with the real little assets thing so that was kind of a surprise um we did like a you know a few viral video drops like charlie bit my finger was one that we did um and then there have been you know stuff that's kind of like more long tail that's been interesting and surprising from like nft artists and things like that um we are in the midst of doing a bit of a um kind of like re retooling of our platform to figure out how uh, we can uh, be even more permissionless and um, scale even more openly um, at the moment. Um, and so I'm really excited about the possibilities of um, kind of the unknown unknowns happening um, and kind of like, you know, these grassroots successes that we hope that will pop up in the next three months, six months, um, year. Cool. Um, I, I do want to switch the the subject uh, and talk about the OUSD stablecoin. Um, you yeah. mentioned that it, it gives a yield to to people that hold it. How is it different from standard stable coins that people know of like Tether or USDC or BUSD? Yeah, so we see it as very uh, complimentary and we're very thankful for uh, Bitfinex for kind of like leading the charge uh, with uh, USDT and, and making stable coins, you know, um, kind of like the de facto way of transferring value on chain, right? Um, and so today we see that the largest stable coins like Tether, USDC, um, DAI is the largest decentralized stable coin have gotten um, quite a bit of adoption. And so we see OUSD as complementary and additive. And actually the way you use OUSD is you take your USDT or USDC or DAI, um, and then you uh, place it in the OUSD vault, right? Um, and then get OUSD in exchange. Um, OUSD is a rebasing um, stablecoin. So what that means is like the uh, unit of account um, will will change. Um, and so again, that's how we're able to, um, let's say like I send you, you know, um, you know, a thousand uh, units of OUSD and you're earning, let's say a 10% yield at the end of the year, you're gonna have, um, you know, hundred more units of OUSD, right? Uh, on the back end, what's happening is like, you're um, backing collateral, these other stable coins, USDT, USDC, uh, DAI, they enter a um, strategy vault. And through decentralized governance and some um, um, smart contract automation, this uh, backing collateral is then placed in blue chip DeFi 
um, strategies. Um, so that could be Aave, it could be Convex and uh, or Curve via Convex. Um, it could be Uniswap, it could be Compound, et cetera. Um, we have some um, newer strategies like Morpho. Um, but the idea is like the safest strategies for stable coins, um, like uh, high security, high longevity um, ways to get yield. Um, and then what happens is these smart contracts automatically um, uh, deliver yield to your wallet and other users' wallets. It does uh, rebalancing and rebasing multiple times a day um, because of the um, amortization of gas costs and um, kind of like the economies of scale when you aggregate capital, we're able to get um, higher yields. Um, and so what we found is like, um, we're able to return higher yields with OUSD than if you're um, directly putting money into a compound or Aave um, yourself, right? And so there's a superior yield to OUSD coupled with higher convenience. Um, you don't have to spend all your time as a yield farmer staking, unstaking, um, using a spreadsheet to monitor strategies. The protocol all does that automatically for you. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're just excited about making DeFi easier for people to use and more accessible, um, especially with um, some of the centralized finance blowups uh, in the last year. Right, we saw you know BlockFi, Celsius offer um, you know pretty healthy yields to consumers, but what they were doing on the back end was uh, lending it out to counterparties that were then doing other nefarious activities. Right, um, the best example of which was uh, FTX, but there were also um, some market makers that became illiquid or insolvent. We saw 3AC, the renowned hedge fund, blow up uh, despite having an AUM of 18 billion dollars at one point. Um, and so I think that's hurt uh, CFI in, in many instances. Um, obviously, like you know, top exchanges like Bitfinex or um, Binance or Coinbase remain solvent and have you know moved to like a proof of reserve system. And I think people are going to continue to use um, these products for you know years and years to come. Um, but this is our our way of offering DeFi yields in a self custodial way, right? OUC is always sitting in your wallet. It's not sitting on a centralized exchange or a centralized lender. Um, everything is transparent on chain. You can see where the capital is. You can see what the real time APYs are. Um, and you can literally see the units of uh, OUSD increasing um, multiple times a day. Um, and so for those users that um, want um, DeFi, uh, but without the hassle, um, it's really quite an ideal product. Forgive me if, if this question is kind of out of left field, but we saw it with Terra, which was a well-known stable coin, like, a yeah. huge implosion, which kind of kicked off the crypto yeah. winter. How is uh, OUSD kind of preventing a similar situation from happening when you're paying out these high yields? Yeah, per, um, a lo lovely question and the opportunity to provide some clarity there. Um, so uh, fundamentally, the two products are very, very different. Um, uh, at a surface level, there are some similarities around, hey, they're both stable coins and the idea is to return yield, right? Um, so Terra was an algorithmic stable coin that didn't have any real backing uh, besides um, uh, uh, like the protocol itself, right? It used its yeah. like um, minted out of the thin air tokens as collateral backing, right? Um, and so um, uh, that ecosystem went through a depth spiral because the, the backing collateral uh, was essentially, uh, as it became worthless, um, it meant that um, UST, right, was unable to um, um, hold peg. And as it was uh, losing peg, then that meant that the backing collateral was losing even more value. So both were going down. And then that created this vicious death spiral that destroyed tens of billions of dollars of market cap. And I think it was like a day and a half, right, which is insane, right? And people <laughs> lost everything. 
Um, so that was catastrophic. And I think it shows the danger of algorithmic stable coins that aren't backed, um, that are generating um, basically like artificial yield, right? Um, yield that is manufactured out of nowhere. Um, OUSD on the other hand is backed by uh, the top three stable coins, right? USDT, USDC, and DAI. Uh, USDT, as you're well aware of, is uh, you know backed by US dollars um, and a small amount of like you know commercial paper. Um, but uh, you know some people might fund tether, but I have strong belief that um, you guys know what you're doing and that it's um, a very very uh, uh, solvent uh, product, right? Um, and USDC um, has similar guarantees. You can redeem one to one for the, uh, the US uh, dollar from Circle, um, and um, um, fully backed, right, by by dollars. Um, Dai is actually over collateralized, right? Um, so you back that with ETH or um, you know other um, collateral at this point. Um, but the collateralization ratio is like actually higher than the amount of Dai that you're able to mint. Uh, and so it's an over collateralized situation. So um, all of these assets um, at minimum are one to one back with US dollar, if not higher, right? In the case of DAI. Um, and those are the assets that are used uh, by OUSD. And in contrast, the um, Terra, again, purely algorithmic, backed by you know magic internet money, um, susceptible to depth spirals and the yields that were being um, printed um, by by Anchor, which is uh, uh, the, the yield generation protocol uh, in that ecosystem, is all made up, right? Here, the, the, the yields are real, right? Um, people are borrowing and lending on these different platforms um, and generating protocol fees. People are swapping on Curve and Uniswap generating trading fees. Um, yes, there's you know some amount of reward tokens emissions, but that's not the entirety of the yield. Um, and the, again, the most important thing is that OUSD is backed um, by real collateral. And so there isn't that chance of uh, this crazy algorithmic uh, death spiral. Um, so compared to um, um, USD, um, you know, it's orders of magnitude safer and more secure. Um, it, it may not be as uh, sexy in the sense that it's not an algorithmic stable coin that um, um, you know, can create this like multi-billion dollar ecosystem overnight, um, but it's like a reliable, safe um, product that we think will have, um, well, already has had way more longevity than USD, but we think we'll have way more longevity in the future as well. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, can you kind of discuss the, the tokenomics and issuance of OGN and then also how that interplays with OGV and the OUSD um, coins as well, like within the origin ecosystem? Yeah, sounds good. So yeah, bo both um, projects, Origin Story, the NFT platform, and uh, Origin Dollar OUSD are within the Origin ecosystem, um, but they do have two separate tokens, right? So OGN uh, is the value accrual and governance token for the Story platform, um, and OGV um, is the value accrual and governance token for um, OUSD. Um, and um, the the original linkage and tokenomics was like we started with OGN. And so when we came up with OGV, we airdropped um, a portion of OGV um, to OGN holders. Um, so there's a shared holder base, um, you know, shared investor base, shared community, et cetera. Um, and the two tokens um, also have, you know, similar um, utility in the sense that they're used for value accrual um, as well as governance, right? Um, so like origin story, um, you, you stake um, OGN uh, on the story platform. And then as the story platform earns uh, fees, right? Um, primarily like ETH trading fees, 
um, but also we throw in some OGN uh, staking rewards. Um, those OGN stakers can um, participate in that upside, right? And so on the OGV side, um, OUSD as a protocol, um, again, is earning yields automatically and passively. And so as uh, yield is earned, uh, a portion of that yield currently it's set at 10% uh, through decentralized governance um, goes back to OGV holders uh, in the form of uh, OGV uh, buybacks and then OGV um, staking yields. Um, there are some differences between the two tokens as well. Um, so uh, OGV um, uses the uh, V um, token model, so VEOGV. Um, uh, when users have OGV, they can um, um, vote escrow it or effectively stake it for uh, voting and economic privileges, participate in decentralized governance, and then also get um, that bonus yield. Um, and then OGN um, um, does not use like the VE token model, um, at least not at this juncture. Um, I would say that um, uh, we're, we're like highly um, um, motivated uh, working on both of these projects within our larger ecosystem um, and seeing um, solid traction on, on both projects. Um, OGN is probably a little bit more mature since it was our original token and uh, is listed on a bunch of exchanges, um, including now Bitfinex, which we're super happy about. Um, and then OGV is our newer token, um, slightly lower market cap. Um, but is starting to gain traction as well um, across a number of centralized exchanges as well as uh, decentralized AMMs. Um, and so, um, yeah, we, we think there's a lot of potential uh, in both tokens and um, their underlying uh, products and um, the growth trajectories for um, where, where both can go in a couple of years, I think is like very, very optimistic in my mind. We're at the very beginning of 2023. It's February right now while we're doing this interview. Yeah. Um, you guys have made it through the majority of the crypto winter. It's starting to look like the the bear market may be coming to an end in the very near future here. Um, yeah. What can the Origin community expect from the Origin protocol for 2023? Yeah. Um, so I think our our um, cultural tenets are the same since uh, 2017, which is just like um, build for the long term, right? Deliver real value um and uh deliver that value before you try to capture that value and so we're just very focused on um, solving real uh customer pain points um addressing use cases um and um yeah the the product roadmaps for for both projects are uh, very exciting um we're um, excited about um like you mentioned the, the market seems to be recovering right um and so that has uh pretty large ramifications on our product offering, right? Um, 2022 was definitely a bit tougher because DeFi TVL crashed and DeFi yields also crashed. Um, uh, meanwhile, um, real world interest rates increased, right? Um, and have continued to increase, but they're starting to hopefully be tapered, right? And that means DeFi will be more competitive again. And so I think that's just automatically going to give a boon to um, OUSD as a product and um, consequently the uh, performance of uh, you know OGV, both in terms of like governance and uh, value accrual, and I think the the community has a lot to be excited about there. Um, now that the market inflection point is turning, and similarly on the story side, um, we saw a huge swell in NFT uh, minting and trading in 2021. That kind of fell off the face of the earth in uh, 2022 with the collapse, right? But in the last two months, we've seen a resurgence of activity. It's nowhere near where it was in 2021. But um, people are minting NFTs, they're coming with new use cases, exchange trading volume is increasing. Um, and so these are all like positive macro factors uh, for our origin story product as we go out and uh, work with more and more partners and launch more of these 
um, um, marketplaces and ecosystem tools like um, Rising Tide raises all ships, right? And I also think that um, this juncture of the market um, will be more about NFT utility and use cases versus the last one, which is you know probably more uh, speculation oriented. And so I think that's where um, our um, tooling, right, our, our our products, our APIs, our um, infrastructure can uh, really start to shine, right, and showcase how they're differentiated um, from other providers in the market um, as this new um, uh, NFT. Um, kind of like the next wave of NFTs um, comes to fruition, um, you know, probably sometime this year or um, maybe latest, like um, sometime early next year. I, I do think we're going to see some pretty big transformations um, in how NFTs are used. Okay, cool. I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you, like, with the with the explosion of NFTs in in 2021 and then kind of the collapse in 2022, we've seen a washout. Like, people were just kind of throwing NFTs on any kind of use case and not really thinking it through like now that nfts might resurge re in a more resilient way like which use cases for nfts do you see as like having the most potential um that's a great question uh, i guess I'll, I'll do a little bit of a cop out and go back to my answer to that uh, i think there are a lot of unknown unknowns that i'm particularly excited about um just like when html was first invented i don't think um, you know, Tim Berners-Lee could have predicted social networking um, or e-commerce, at least in its current form. And so I think there's a there's a trajectory that I won't um, be able to fully predict. Um, and so that's the most exciting, um, just kind of like seeing what will evolve over time. Um, but more concretely, I do think that uh, NFTs, um, you know, NFTs, you know, are easiest in the digital realm, right? And that's why we saw art and collectibles take off first. But I think um, the, the next wave um, that's really promising, I think is gonna be in gaming, right? Um, so we already have seen, you know, tens of billions of dollars generated every year um, from in-app purchases from the Apple App Store or um, Google Play, right? Um, and um, there's, there are, you know, many compelling reasons why a lot of these um, um, digital items and in-app currencies um, sh should become um, interoperable NFTs in the near future, right? And so imagine um, taking a skin or an avatar and uh, you know playing uh, a game with it, but then being able to in a couple of years uh, put on your Apple AR headset or um, you know your Meta like VR experience um, and be kind of the same avatar, right? And have that digital identity be portable across platforms. So I think that's going to be a hugely uh, lucrative area. Um, I do think the real world assets play is going to be super fascinating. Um, there's a lot more hard work uh, in terms of like, hey, what are some of the offline processes? Um, there's by nature going to be some level of centralization when you're dealing with like off-chain stuff. Um, so I think that it'll be a little bit slower to evolve, but I think it'll be a massive, massive market, right? Um, going back to the rootstock, I think uh, at some point, um, uh, Real estate NFTs um, can replace like uh, uh, real estate investment uh, funds, right? Um, and people will be able to invest in property, um, you know, that they fractionally own as an NFT. Uh, maybe that property is uh, across the world and they've never even visited it. Maybe they are able to create a portfolio of property rather than putting it down on all uh, one house. And so. Um, this tokenization of real-world assets um, that NFTs enable, I think, is going to be huge. It's going to increase liquidity. It's going to increase um, global access to capital. Um, so I think that's going to be super, super exciting as well. Um, 
And then I think maybe another category that uh, we're not focusing on as much at Origin, but um, we do think is going to be quite large is uh, NFT ticketing. Um, so, um, you know, the current ticket providers, um, they, you know, they are predatory, right? The fees <laughs> um, charged by a Ticketmaster or StubHub um, for secondary sales um, is insane, right? Um, and uh, they are kind of like the gatekeepers. Um, and at some point, NFTs will replace these traditional tickets um, and allow for permissionless open resale. It'll um, help curtail some like the scalping problems, I think. Um, and um, if you use NFT royalties, then the um, the people that are performing at concerts or uh, sporting events or whatever it may be, um, they're able to like participate in that follow-on trade, right? And so I think that creates incentive for all these um, venues and performers uh, to get into the NFT game. It's going to take a bit of education, uh, but it certainly creates a financial incentive uh, for them to adopt the technology. Uh, thank you for that insight. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you think it's important for our listeners to know about Origin Protocol? Yeah, I think one of the main things is just that, like, you know, we're we're here in the long term, right? We've been in this game for a while, right? We've had to weather um, multiple market cycles now. So not only the crash of last year, um, and we're still here and we're going to be here for, you know, um, hopefully, you know, many, many, many years. Um, and, but we've also weathered the 2018-2019 bear market, right? Um, and so we're committed to um, this Web3 future. Um, and we're committed to delivering real value to solve real world uh, problems um, with our technology. Um, we are, you know, very, um, we've very much embraced like all the innovation that's happening in Web3 um, across many different projects and, and love to partner uh, with complementary partners, whether they're like NFT projects or uh, DeFi protocols. Um, we, we love engaging with many different communities. Um, you know, our community is regional worldwide and we're very thankful that um, we have such a strong community and want to continue reaching out to the community, engaging them um, and, uh, you know, lever leveraging them uh, in a way too, right? To get the word about, out about what we're doing. Um, and yeah, just like overall, um, um, quite uh, feel feeling quite fortunate and optimistic about the future, um, especially as we're now coming out of this um, very, very steep market correction in last year. And uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I think, um, you know, us as well as many other developers in the space, right? We're still here, right? And developer activity and building products is a leading indicator of uh, real adoption. And then obviously like value creation uh, within Web3. And so, um, yeah, I would say for all the listeners out there, um, you know, keep believing in this Web3 future, keep believing in how the technology is going to transform um, businesses and uh, empower consumers, uh, empower those that are not banked, um, kind of change the way that like, you know, governments and organizations operate, right? Um, there are gonna be so many paradigm shifts to look forward to. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're, we're thankful to be part of the journey and wanna do as much as we can to put um, our debt in the universe. Okay, awesome. Um, one of Origin's main focuses has been the community. So for our listeners that are interested in participating in the community, how can they do so? Like, where can they find you on social media? Do you guys have a Telegram? Um, can you give them all the links and necessary information? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, our, our um, kind of like corporate website is originprotocol.com. 
Um, and then the actual um, two business units and products, their story.xyz and then ousd.com. Um, there's a lot of information there. Uh, within our communities, um, we have a Discord, right? So if you just go to originprotocol.com slash Discord, it'll automatically route you to join our um, Discord. Um, we have um, Telegram um, channels in, uh, I believe, like a dozen different uh, languages and regions. Um, um, you know, we're, we're becoming more active again in terms of meetups and visiting um, different countries uh, and participating with uh, the community in that way. Um, and so, yeah, th there's a lot going on. Um, um, yeah, if you're interested in um, engaging with me personally, you can um, follow me on Twitter, um, Matthew Liu. Um, or send me an email, matt at originprotocol.com. And of course, the origin uh, official Twitter is just origin protocol on Twitter as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for accepting the interview and coming on the show and letting me batter you with a bunch of questions. Of course, it's always a fun time and uh, love engaging with um, you know wonderful communities like the Bitfinex community. So pleasure is all mine.